Hey, good afternoon again. Thursday afternoon. Gabe DeArmond here with PowerMizzou.com. Appreciate you guys joining us for today's uh, live streaming option. That is Opposition Research brought to you by Stuart Eastman and Edward Jones. When it comes to your financial future, it's important to work with somebody who takes time to understand you and your situation. That is Stuart Eastman in Columbia, Missouri with Edward Jones. I can uh, personally tell you he's handled a lot of my financial stuff, so hopefully I can retire and quit being a YouTube star here in the next, um, I don't know, a couple weeks. We're going to give it a shot, but Stuart's always uh, giving you great customer service. He will keep in touch and take care of all your financial needs. Edward Jones takes a step-by-step -step approach to identifying your goals and developing specific strategies to help you achieve them. Contact Stuart today, 573-817-3108, and he will get you taken care of. Every week on this show, we talk about Missouri's opponent We uh, with somebody who knows a lot more about him than I do. This week, that means Tennessee and Brent Hubs from VolQuest.com. Uh, I think, Brent, one of the few guys I know that's that's been doing this longer than I have. So uh, you're the expert, man. Uh, Tennessee is... Uh, Tennessee under Josh Heupel. Do we know anything about him really through four weeks, or is this still kind of a learning process? Oh, I think it's a learning process for, for everybody at this point, uh, Gabe, and I appreciate you having me on. But, you know, at this point, what we've seen through four games is that uh, they have the ability to scheme guys open. They've missed a, a good number of open plays. I, I think you guys – know that and saw that with Josh Heupel. There, there's four or five plays a game, it seems like, where he has somebody running free. The question is, can you capitalize on those plays? And Tennessee hasn't capitalized on enough of those. You know, you look back at the Pittsburgh game, they, they had three guys open behind the secondary in the first quarter, and they didn't capitalize on it. They should have had 21 points in the first quarter. Uh, easy. Uh, maybe even 28, but definitely 21. And, and they come away with seven after the block punt. And then last week, they did hit a couple of plays. Uh, but they missed a couple of plays as well. And so I think the biggest takeaway for fans is, hey, this guy can get people open. Just got to get some people that can catch the ball and get a quarterback that can get it to him better than what's happened the first four games of the season. Yeah. Um, you tell me if I'm wrong here. My read on this game is it's two fan bases that are going into this one that just want to give you reasons why the other team's going to win. I mean, all week, <laughs> you know, Tyon Evans comes out and says, uh, I don't want to talk about the Missouri defense, but we're going to have some fun. And the entire response on our board was, well, yeah, they are. Uh, he's right, you know. So I am I misreading that from the Tennessee side? Yeah, I mean, I think so. I mean, you know, because Tennessee fans have, have been through a lot, just like Missouri fans have been through a lot. Every time you take a step forward, it feels like there's two steps backwards. And mm -hmm. so you, you kind of just walk around waiting for the other shoe to drop sometimes. And, you know, that was the case last week at Florida. Mm -hmm. Here's Tennessee with a 14-10 lead in the second quarter. You poll 10 fans, 20 fans at that point. They're like, hey, what do you feel about your chances? And they're going to go, probably not real good. You know, <laughs> like you're waiting for the next thing to happen. And, um, you know, and that's not Josh Heupel's fault. Uh, that that's ten years or better, twenty year, fifteen or whatever the number is. Now I'm old, so I just quit counting a long time <laughs> right. ago. But uh, of battle scars where they just didn't get it done. You know, they they. I mean, this is a program that's lost on multiple hail marys. They they lost a a game where in a bowl game against North Carolina, where the next year they changed the rule completely on on the clock. Uh, because North Carolina ran out the clock, but got an extra kick because they made a mistake. And then, you know, they lined up with 13 players on the field in a goal line situation at LSU and cost them a game. So 
Tennessee Tennessee's found ways to lose games. So that's kind of where the Tennessee fan base is. They want to be optimistic. They do. Yeah. Uh, that there's some things they like out of Josh Heupel and what they've seen so far. There's some things that still have them approach. Hey, we'll get to a little more about this matchup in a minute, but I, I kind of wanted to ask you about Josh. I mean, my first reaction when the hire was made, I think Josh is a good football coach. He was a good football coach here. Um, I always got along with him fine. I think the major question is, does he have the personality that it takes to kind of handle some of the stuff that comes along with being Tennessee's head coach? I mean, is that a, is that a fair question to ask here early on? Well, sure. I think I think that's always a question when when you hire somebody um, is can they handle it? Um, you know, I mean, Tennessee's most two successful coaches were former players here. Mm-hmm. Okay, Johnny Majors and and Philip Fulmer. They knew Tennessee backwards and forwards. They played you got Tennessee. They understood it. Um, Tennessee hired Lane Kiffin, good football coach, right? Mm-hmm. He wasn't ready for this job because he didn't understand it. Now. He's embracing the Grove. He, you know, he's embracing those things at Ole Miss that here he thought it was he thought it was wackadoo, right? <laughs> I mean, he goes through his first ball walk and he's got on his four hundred dollar sunglasses and never looks at anybody. You know, grasp magnitude of the job and the magnitude of the SEC. He much he does now because why? He was at Tennessee. He was at Alabama. So now when he goes to Ole Miss, he's very very much more prepared for it. Jeremy Pruitt clearly. Not ready to be a head coach. Right. Clearly not ready to be. I don't think Butch Jones could handle the, you know, the criticisms. I think we don't know. I mean, coaches talk about it all the time. Josh has talked about this week. We'll see how this team handles things when adversity hits. Yeah. We'll see how Josh Heupel and his staff handle things when adversity hits. Right now, it's the honeymoon period. He's not over the honeymoon period yet. It's, it's not there, you know? Eli Drinkwitz has been in the honeymoon period. Now it's a little bit – wait a minute – what about this defensive coordinator you brought in? What yeah. was that all about? You know, that's on your watch type deal. Changes as, as you pile up the game. So right now it's the honeymoon. Everybody's, I will say happy, but everybody's okay. Right. One more about Josh, I'm, and, and then we'll talk about this matchup. I'm just curious. Uh, my favorite Josh Heupel story was always, like, he made a game of, in press conferences, refusing to say anything interesting, right? One time, I always remember, he walked out of a press conference as Missouri's offensive coordinator and looked at me and Dave Matter from the St. Louis Post-Dispatch and said, hope you guys got a lot out of that. I mean, it was like it was like he was just doing it to entertain himself. He knew he was saying absolutely nothing. Uh, and, and it didn't bother me. I just always kind of found it funny. I mean, do you feel like you can kind of go in and, and write Josh's press conferences before they start, or has that changed since he's become a head coach? Well, if you would have asked me that question the first week of fall camp, I would have said no. Um, four weeks into the season, I would say, yeah, I, I got a pretty good idea of what he's going to say. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when you ask about an injury, well, the guy got on the grass and did some work. You know, yeah. translation, I'm not telling you anything about whether or not he's going to play or not. Um, you know, the, the latest thing is about this team needs to prepare better the last 48 hours before the game. They need to, they need to do a better job of that specifically we're not going to get into a lot of specifics about that so yeah he's he is he is he politely says nothing and um you know i think a lot of coaches try to perfect that and uh once he got into game mode which was about midway through fall camp it changed now on his radio show last night he was a little more forthcoming he was a little more open but when he gets in front of a podium yeah he he has no plan no desire to, to offer up a whole 
lot. And the previous coach didn't didn't either. Didn't either. Right. I mean, Jeremy Pruitt first year didn't mention a player's name. You know. Now the difference. Josh lets his assistants talk, mm-hmm. which is a little bit of a nice caveat that you can hear more. You know, we went through three years where an assistant wasn't allowed to talk. You know, <laughs> under Jeremy Pruitt, because that's the saving rule. So. Right. You know, every, everybody's different. Uh, we'll see how Josh kind of grows in that. You, you know, he comes from UCF where you, know, you got the Orlando Sentinel shows up for a column. Maybe a TV comes. So he walks into a press conference. There's 30 people at every press conference he's at. And it's like, you know, and somebody asking him a question today based off his radio show last night. He's like, you guys actually listen to that? <laughs> right. It's good to know you guys are listening. It's like, yeah, everybody's like, yeah, we, we follow everything you say, right. you know, and so – that's part of the learning curve of the SEC. Right, which is funny because Josh has been at, at Missouri and Oklahoma. I mean, you know, he's not, not unused to that. But the answer to this question, maybe nobody really knows given what we were just talking about. But who do you think starts at quarterback for Tennessee or who gets most of the most of the reps this week? Well, I'll say this first of all about Missouri and Oklahoma. It was as an assistant coach, not right. as a head coach. Right. So that is a as difference. an assistant coach, if you were asked about injuries, you could always go, hey, that's the head coach's decision to talk about that, not mine. It was an easy out. This one's a little different because you're in charge of, of that narrative and those types of qu- those answers that you could sidestep when you're an assistant coach. As for the quarterback, um, Hendon Hooker has practiced this week. Uh, he Starting Tuesday, he's practiced. He's take, taken some first-team reps. Um Will he start? I, I don't. I don't think we know. I mean, if I were putting putting it out there, you know, I, I would say, yeah. I mean, that's probably the direction I would lean, unless something crazy happens the, the last thirty six hours here. But um, he, I think he's going to be able to go. Joe Milton's going to be able to go and should be available if needed as well. I think what we've seen the last four games, Tennessee's a better offense when Hendon Hooker's that at the quarterback controls uh, versus Joe Milton or anybody else. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. I mean, why is that? Because Milton seems now to have kind of developed the reputation of the guy that you look at him and every coach falls in love with him, but it just hasn't quite translated to game day. Yeah, I mean, I think part of – I mean, I think the one thing about Hendon Hooker is he's really competitive. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he has a high competitive spirit about him, if you will. Um, he does he does bounce back from adversity pretty quick. Um, he's a better runner with the ball than Joe Milton is. Um, and, and Joe just the game, and, and I don't know this. Okay, this is just mm-hmm. from a guy who's watched a lot of quarterbacks through the years, who doesn't know how to play quarterback and can't throw it twenty <laughs> yards. But the game looks fast for Joe Milton right now. It, it look, looks like everything is really fast. Now that opening opening quarter against Bowling Green, he was dealing, you know. But it was Bowling Green was playing off coverage. It was raise up, throw it laterally. You know, it was it was throw a quick hitch. It was a one read and go type deal. And then when they kind of changed defenses, he missed a couple throws, had a couple drops. He kind of got off of his game that way. Um, and then he just seemingly hasn't been able to, to, to make that play to really get him going. You kind of thought if he could connect on a deep ball, maybe that would get him kind of in the right direction. Um, you know, he threw a ball in the fourth quarter against Florida to Valus Jones. He threw two um slants or, or, or post to Bayless Jones, and, and they were on the money. One of them, Bayless dropped. The other, Bayless didn't have a choice but to catch it because it about impaled him because he threw it so hard. And you're like, okay, here he goes. And then he missed his next three or four. Mm-hmm. And so he just can't find a rhythm for, for whatever reason, uh, which is a surprise to everybody. I, I think that, you know, he was a guy that you talk to anybody in the program, game in the preseason, players, you know, other coaches, the head coach, observers to practice – 
You know, Joe Milton was clear and, and far away the best quarterback in the preseason. It just hasn't translated to the game when it becomes 11 on 11. Yeah. Um, having watched four Missouri games now, who plays quarterback may be immaterial as long as he is capable of turning around and handing the ball to someone. I mean, I know I'm sure that Tennessee's coaches aren't thrilled with what Tyon Evans said, but at the same time, it's it's fair criticism. I mean, Missouri is better than exactly one team in the country at stopping the run. I've, I've got to imagine anybody's plan is just come in and hand the ball off until they prove that we have to do something else. Yeah, I'm not sure when we'll get to talk to Tyon Evans again. <laughs> it might be, might it might be him, next year. He, he might have put himself in media in media quarantine for a while right. um, with, with those comments. But, uh, you know, Missouri, you know, obviously struggled to stop the run. I, I watched the Boston College game and, and went back and watched it. What Boston College does is not what Tennessee does. Okay, Boston College, you know, big heavy, two tight ends, cram it in there, uh, tighten the, you know, tighten everything down. Tennessee's going to try to run it out of, out of you know, the spread. Uh, you know, Kentucky did that. This, you know, can Tennessee have that kind of success? This is not the healthiest Tennessee offensive line. Uh, their center, Cooper Mays, is, he tried to play last week, re-aggravated an ankle, looks doubtful for this week, um, would be really surprised if he played. They're different when he's not on the field. Um, they don't play as fast. They don't seem to play as clean when he's, when he's watching from the sideline. So, um, you know, Tennessee's rail thin on the offensive line. Uh, we'll see if, if they can push, you know, push Missouri around like Missouri's been pushed around at, at some point. I mean, given Tennessee's kind of struggles in the past game a little bit, you know, and, and it, it's kind of been feast or famine, I'm sure Missouri's going to load it up with everybody and say, hey, beat us. If you can beat us, then, then we'll deal with it there. But uh, I can't imagine they're not going to come in and say, we're not going to let you get started running. We want to see right. if you can make some plays consistently in the passing game, which Tennessee's not done a very good job of to this point. If Missouri is able to find a way to, to make them go to the go to the air to beat them, I mean, who are the guys, the receivers, that are capable of causing some problems? Well, Javante Payton is a transfer from Mississippi State who was not really a factor early, but the last two weeks has kind of got it going. He had a really nice uh, kind of toe-tap touchdown against Tennessee Tech on a deeper ball, and then he hit the, uh, the sluggo or the stutter go last week against Florida. For 75 yards. He's kind of their vertical big play guy. Bayless Jones is the guy who's probably best with the ball in his hand underneath stuff. You know, Jalen Hyatt's been the guy this, this season that's just been maddening to, to everybody. He's been hurt, missed some time there, but had two big drops in, in the first game and just hasn't gotten going. I mean, he really hasn't. And so that's a guy everybody thought would be Tennessee's best weapon. And he's not been. Their most consistent kind of go-to guy has been their tight end, uh, Jacob Warren. They've thrown the ball a good bit to, to the tight end. So um, it, it, it's kind of by committee. You know, they don't have one guy or two guys where you go, man, that guy's going to have 120 catches this year. He's going to have 1,200 yards receiving. You don't see that. Uh, but they got three or four guys that, that they try to get it, you know, get it to. And, um, you know, we'll see. I mean, it, last week was different. Florida's a big pressure team all the time come at you at all times. So the screen game was important last week and, and try to have some, some beaters against some, some, some blitzes. Uh, Missouri seems to blitz on more conventional downs. I mean, more conventional situations, second long, third long. Uh, they seem to like the A-gap blitz with, with Aldridge up the middle. And, um, you know, they've got a couple of guys off the edge that have caused people some problems. So uh, Missouri's pretty good defensively when they can get a team in – or second long, and they got to throw the point to avoid, in my opinion, 
uh, on Saturday. If they're in a bunch of those situations, then I think advantage Missouri defense. If Tennessee can run the ball and keep it third and manageable, it's hard for Missouri to do some of the things that I think they're better at than stopping the run. Talking again with Brent Hubs from VolQuest.com. That's the Tennessee site on the Rivals Network. They will uh, certainly have every angle of Missouri's opponent this week. You guys go over there, check out what they've done all week long and leading up to Saturday. So, Brent, want to switch sides of the ball uh, with you. Um, I know when Josh Heupel's the head coach, the attention is going to go on the offense. But defensively, it, where's this Tennessee team at? I mean, I know, hey, you go from a defensive guy to an offensive guy. The transfer portal, I know, hit them hard. But but where have they been through four weeks uh, offense – or, I'm sorry, defensively? More sound, to, to be honest with you. Uh, they've been a little more sound. Uh, have they played great? I mean, they got into a situation where – they they were not sound against Emory Jones on some of the runs last week. I think Emory Jones can do that to a lot of people, mm-hmm. um, but but Tennessee didn't tackle him well and, and couldn't contain him. Uh, but you know they've been they haven't had this this glaring bust some of the glaring busts that you saw previously. This defense is more simplistic. It's communicated in a in a more simplistic fashion. Uh, Jeremy Pruitt always wanted to be in the perfect defense. That's kind of that Nick Saban Kirby Smart mentality. Uh, they they want to. They want to sub, sub and double and all of those things. And so Jeremy Pruitt was trying to get Tennessee in the perfect play every time. And when he got them in that play, uh, they were good. That's how they beat Auburn at Auburn um, a couple of years ago. But uh, when he couldn't get them into that perfect play, they gave up a lot. And, and, and kids kind of played slow. This defense is playing hard. They're playing fast. Um, but they, they have shortcomings, and uh, they have a hard time getting to the quarterback. Missouri does a great job protecting the quarterback. I think two sacks all season long given up. Tennessee has a hard time getting there without bringing extra people, and um, then we'll see if Tennessee can tighten up some of their zone coverage and some of their underneath stuff with, with their linebackers. They struggled greatly a year ago in the middle of the field trying to stop anybody. Um, it's been a little better you know, this year. It'll get challenged greatly this week because that's where Missouri seems to like to throw the footballs between the hash marks. What's the depth like that on that side of the ball? I mean, I know I've, you know, I've heard some stuff that, hey, the, the leading tackler is, is a guy who previously in his career was on the offensive side of the ball. I mean, do they have, do they have multiple guys or is it kind of, hey, this is the front line, but beyond that, not sure. Well, they've got a bunch of – they've got a handful of bodies they play on the defensive front. They'll go nine or ten on the defensive front. They don't have anybody that you go, woohoo, you know, that's an all-conference player. You know, that that guy's going to, you know, get on the draft board high. I mean, they got a bunch of effort guys up front is kind of where they are. Um, I I chuckle a little bit at the Jeremy Banks notion. He he was a running back when he came to Tennessee. He hasn't played running back in almost two years. Right. you know, I mean, I think Missouri's probably got a couple of guys who are playing in the secondary oh. that are were former offensive they, players, right? I, I mean, mean, the guy who started happens. the guy who started at quarterback against Tennessee last year is now a strong safety who got an interception last week. Yeah, so <laughs> right. Yeah. So, so I mean, it, it happens, and, and so he Jeremy Banks was actually a linebacker has been a linebacker longer than Aaron Beasley has been a linebacker. Okay. Now Beasley's okay. played safety and he's played running back. I mean, Jeremy's been, Jeremy Banks has been at linebacker. Now he missed all of spring. Um, they've got to try to rein him in, but but he is their most aggressive, most physical downhill in the box, go get him kind of guy. Uh, but those linebackers are going to be challenged because of what Coach Drinkwitz does with um, with, with Tyler Beatty and, and the different ways that they use him and the way they motion him out and the way they get him into space puts a real taxing stress on on your linebackers. So we'll see how Tennessee plays in space. Jeremy's a good athlete. 
he knows the game. He gets a little, he doesn't play probably slow enough. And I don't know, it sounds crazy, but he, he overruns some stuff and, and he probably takes some chances he doesn't need to take. In the secondary, pretty experienced group overall. They need to play better at safety than what they played to this point. But they're pretty, pretty veteran, pretty experienced. Theo Jackson's been the biggest surprise playing the nickel position to, for this year. But he's a veteran who's finally getting his chance. Willie Martinez recruited him out of high school. Now he's back coaching him, and I think that's been a match made in heaven for both. It, the criticism of Josh as an offensive coordinator, especially here, and it was funny, we asked this question for two years, and Barry Odom always denied it. And then as soon as Heupel <laughs> took the Florida uh, Central Florida job, Barry Odom basically said it was 100% correct. When Josh's offense gets that first first down, and they can go 100 miles an hour and it works, it's great. When they fail to get that first first down, what it does is, puts you three and out in 17 seconds. And I, I've always said that Josh's offense causes almost as many problems for his own defense when it's not working as it as it can for opposing defenses when it is. And I don't know if through four weeks you you have seen any of that yet. But, you know, I, I, I didn't get to watch the Florida game. I'm not sure if it happened there. But is that a concern that, hey, we know time of possession doesn't matter, all that. We know we're going to be 128th in the country. But at some point, you got to have the things that protect your own defense a little bit. Well, they've not been in this. I mean, they, you know, the pit game, they were playing catch up in the second half because they were down two scores. So obviously you're going to go fast. Last week, they get down 10 points after the first drive of the second half. Um, so now all of a sudden you're starting to kind of play fast. They are not playing. And I've seen this, you know, written on 2.9 plays per minute or whatever the case may be. They are not playing as crazy fast as you've seen this offense play before. Mm-hmm. Is that to protect the defense? Maybe a little bit. Is that because the offense just can't run it as fast yet? Maybe. I don't think it's a conscious thing where Josh Heupel's like, no, we're going to slow it down to protect everybody and do this. I just don't think they've gotten into that kind of rhythm. We've asked Heupel about the tempo, and he's like, yeah, we're not playing nearly fast enough. It's going to be hard for them to play at the pace he wants to play in year one because of their lack of depth on the offensive side of the ball as much mm-hmm. as anything else. Um, you know, so it's – if they get that first first down, they, they've gone fast. I mean, they were really fast in the Bowling Green game uh, with, with Joe Milton. He seems to run it faster than Hooker. He just doesn't make enough plays. I think Hooker's still trying to figure out how to run it closer to the pace that, that Heupel wants to run. Uh, but clearly, you know, he's that's his philosophy. He's not going to get away from it. He's going to play no huddle. He's going to play up-tempo fast and defensively, you're going to have to deal with it. You're going to have to manage it and because that's that's in his conviction. He doesn't plan on changing at this point, and I don't see that changing anytime soon. That's the system he's going to live and die by. All right, so we'll get you out of here on this. I look at this game, and I think, hey, the winners got a path to, you know, six, maybe seven wins, one of those kind of minor bowl games. The team that walks out of here two and three – I think it's a lot tougher to find that path to six wins. I mean, yeah, I, I almost view this as like I, I called it yesterday the Duke's Mayo playoff, uh, Duke's Mayo Bowl <laughs> playoff game. You know, something like that. I mean, do you think that's fair? Is this a game that kind of both teams? Hey, if you if you want to be playing a, an extra game, you better get this one. Well, listen, when when you're where Tennessee's at, and I, I'm not going to speak for Missouri because I don't cover them every day, but when you're where Tennessee's at, you start looking to try to count six. Right? How do you get to six? Um, and this is one of those toss-up games. Pitt was a toss-up game at home. They didn't get done. This one's closer 
to a toss-up game after seeing how Missouri has been the first few weeks and how Tennessee has been. Um, there's been moments of good, you know. I mean, I think Missouri's a couple of plays away from being unbeaten, mm-hmm. you know. But you go back and watch that Kentucky game, there are a couple of turnovers away from that being a pretty Blow lopsided out. Kentucky win, in, yep. in my opinion. So it's one of those deals where, yeah, when, when you start trying to get to six, this is a game when you're in that 50-50 toss-up game, you get – it's kind of like the swing vote in an election, right? Swing mm-hmm. state. You got to land it. Yep. And uh, so, yeah, I think this is a big game for, for both teams. And uh, not exactly what they are. They, they do a pretty good little football team. And then there are other moments where you go, man, they're just not a very good football team. Yep. Who has the most moments of good Saturday is probably the team that's going to walk out of here with a win. Yeah, it should be entertaining. Might not be uh, might not be high level, but it should be entertaining. So <laughs> you're saying the world's the, the country's not going to be captivated. Yeah, um, it is going to be entertaining because I, I think they're pretty evenly matched. I think they do things that can cause the other one problems on both sides of the ball. So who manages those problems the best? Should be fun. Yeah, two good play callers, and and I think there could be a lot of points in this one. So, Brent, appreciate it, man. I know you're busy. We'll uh, we'll let you run, but thanks for taking some time with us. All right. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. All right. Have a good one. Brent Hubs from VolQuest.com. That is the uh, Tennessee site on the Rivals.com network and appreciate his time as we appreciate everybody who joins us and, and gives us some insight into Missouri's opponents. I mean – I, you know, guys, at the, at the beginning of the year, we looked at this and said, hey, Tennessee's one you need to put in the win column. Like, they're in year one, you're in year two. I know they beat you last year, but this probably should be – it was a swing game, but one you leaned toward Missouri. I think probably I'd still describe it that way, but the lean to Missouri is not as strong as maybe it was four or five weeks ago. Um, and that's why, hey, Missouri's a three-point favorite, which on your home field basically means Vegas is saying, pick them. Uh, we'll, we'll see how it goes on any given Saturday. So, uh, it is Saturday at 11 a.m. in Columbia. Appreciate, uh, Brent joining us and giving you guys a little insight on the volunteers. Also, as always appreciate Stuart Eastman and Edward Jones for being a part of this show and presenting opposition research to you every week. Uh, if you've got some financial needs, whether it's retirement, whether it's paying for education, estate considerations, just kind of growing what you have and protecting your assets. Stuart Eastman at Edward Jones is the guy that you want to get in touch with here in Columbia. And look, you don't have to be located in Columbia, right? He can he can do stuff for you if you're located somewhere else. But uh, I like it that my financial guy is right here in town. I can drive over to his office over off Rainbow T- Trout Drive. And there's his number, 573-817-3108. You can also go to edwardjones.com and find Stuart on their website or find your uh, local financial guy. But, but we definitely encourage you to just give Stuart a shot. Hey, you know, we understand some people have different needs and, and ways things go, but we always just ask you to uh, kind of give our sponsors a shot first because they make all this stuff possible and make us able to, uh, to bring you guys daily shows throughout the football season. So we'll be back tomorrow. I will uh, be doing the Master Tech Choosing Wisely, our pick show. Uh, which we do every Friday. We'll have that for you Friday afternoon, and then 9.30 a.m. on Saturday, we'll be back here pre-gaming Missouri and Tennessee on the pre-game call. So appreciate you guys watching on your way out. Hit the like button. If you're listening to this on the podcast after the fact, which I know a lot of people do when we record earlier in the day, just uh, wherever you get your podcast, give us a good review, leave some nice comments about the show, and uh, spread the word about what we're doing here 
every single day. So we will talk to you guys tomorrow afternoon. Thanks for watching.